friends. Oh, wow, there it is. Hi, good morning. I hope it's louder on the live stream. I'm sorry if it isn't. Um, yeah, good morning, Central Vineyard. It's, it's so good to be here with you. Uh, it's, I never am talking, and if you've met me before, have you, if you've seen me talk, sure, sure. you know that uh, my words are not that great. I get confused so much, and languages uh, confuse me. Even if it's my own native language, I still stumble a lot with it. <clears throat> but anyway, if I haven't ha uh, gotten the pleasure of meeting you, I would love to meet you. My name is Luis, and um, yeah, so... We've been on a series of Matthew in which we are going through the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And uh, for the past weeks, we've just talked about his family, where he's coming from. And a couple of weeks ago, Haley talked to us about Isaac and Rebecca's two sons, Esau and Jacob. We talked about the injustice of the law and the way that broken systems put in place affected lives then just the same way that they do now. Um, <clears throat> We saw how uh, Jacob deceived his way into the firstborn birthrights inheritance by cheating his brother Esau and how he deceived the family blessing by manipulating his blind father. We learned how in this particular story, neither of the parties were in the right. Um, on the one side, we have e Isaac and Esau who, benefit f who were benefiting from the unjust law and they would they can do anything they could in their power in order to keep that just unjust law in place. And then there's Rebecca and Jacob, the people who are hurt by the unjust law that will do whatever they can to change that. And I'm sorry, I got lost by a little bit. And we also heard about Jesus' take on all of that and how when he was asked to judge, he did not throw a stone, but instead he just stayed in the radical middle, the most difficult place to be. And he did it so graciously. The radical middle where uh, so often we're so called to be in, in which we just get to love people with different opinions than ours. So today we dive deeper into Jacob's story. Uh, who is this guy? Why is his name the deceiver, essentially? And um, yeah, let's, let's open us up in prayer before we continue. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. God, would you breathe and move and fall on us? We ask for uh, your knowledge, your presence, your peace and comfort for your healing to this world. Amen. So today I want to talk about uh, a specific story in Jacob's story, which is when he wrestled with God. But to get to that, I want to just update us in his story, uh, how he got there and um, what happened during that whole encounter. So um, this is after <clears throat> Jacob deceived his blind father, took away his... Uh, his older brother's Esau's blessing, and then um, we read that both Isaac and Esau were so upset, especially Esau, that uh, he was 
he essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing here, as soon as dad's gone, you're dead. Um, so yeah, both Rebecca and Isaac sent him out. He said, you know what, you need to flee in order to avoid getting dead. And uh, Rebecca was like, why don't you go to your uncle's house? He went to this uh, town with a very Star Wars sounding kind of name, which is called Padam Ar Padan Aram. I'm butchering this very much so. And while sending him out, Isaac warns him and also sent him away with an extra blessing. So he's, he's on fire at this point. And um, yeah, he started, he made his way over to, the, uh, to his uncle's house. And on his way there, he stopped, fell asleep, mostly because it was nighttime and he didn't want to keep traveling. And then God himself blessed him again. And in his, he had a dream, and in this dream, there was angels going up and down this ladder that went from earth up to heaven, and at the very top of this ladder, God was there and told uh, Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and you and your offspring shall, uh, shall bless essentially all of, all of the families of, the, of this earth. <clears throat> and this next part is my favorite part of the verse. He said, this is God speaking, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. I believe that the reason why Jacob really took this, ver this part very important and close to his heart is because, I don't know, if, if you're the deceiver, if you're all the time uh, getting the short end of the stick because you're the little brother and they pick on you, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, I'm with you and I really like you even though you are a piece of garbage, I, I don't know, I, I've been that person before, frankly, so whenever that has happened to me, I just, I don't know, I just feel special. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, so Jacob continued on to his trip. He finally made it to a, a point in which he found a well, he found some people, and he found his future wife, which somehow he thought it was great to start weeping in front of her, kissing her, and then say, hey, I'm your family, by the way. Um, I don't know, I think it's, I, in my point of view, I think it's kind of awkward if, I would have done that to Rachel a few years ago when we first met. I just told pretty bad jokes and that's it. She fell for it right away. Anyway, that's not the point. So Jacob uh, had this like really cool family moment with his uncles, uh, with his uncle Laban. And Laban went out to him, greeted him, embraced him, fed him and said, you are welcome here. Now, um, Jacob was so excited about this, he was receiving everything that he thought he was going to get, plus more, and then uh, Jacob said, hey, I want to marry your daughter, and Laban said, well, why don't you work for me? Let's do seven years to start out, you can marry my daughter, and we'll take it from there. So Jacob worked, seven years, the seven-year mark came, he married a daughter, uh, not the daughter that he was expecting, 
but uh, yeah, he started getting cheated by his uncle. So uh, Jacob found out that he was cheated by his uncle and said, hey, you cheated me. Doesn't feel good. So Laban said, you know what? Just work for me another seven years. It'll be fine. We can, I'll give you the other daughter. It's fine. So uh, he did, worked an extra seven years, finally got to marry his uh, sweetie, Rachel. And uh, later on the story, we learned that uh, Laban just kept manipulating and deceiving Jacob. He would change his wages. He would uh, just was being a Jacob to Jacob. I know, right? <laughs> so uh, Jacob got his, a taste of his own medicine. But remember all of those blessings that Jacob received from the beginning? Even though Laban kept messing with Jacob, changing his wages, then God kept blessing him and being, you know what, I like you enough. We'll do something cool with you. So after we, we learn in, in Jacob's story that it turned out it was 20 years worth of lying and deceiving to Jacob. And finally, and after a while, Jacob got himself in another, another problem, which was somehow he manages to get himself um, in a position in which everyone wants to kill him. And this happened again with uh, Laban's sons. They kept saying, you know what? This guy keeps taking our blessings. We just need to unalive him or something like that. So Jacob is a little bit more mature at this point. He's been learning from his lessons and says, I am going to leave. So one night he just picks up his stuff, leaves. As he's making his way back to his homeland, he realizes, oh my, my brother Esau still wants to kill me. So um, he just sat one night and prayed. And he, well, he actually first sent out a, a messenger to his brother and said, Esau, I'm coming back from my uncle Laban's. I am here uh, with all of these uh, like good things, cattle and donkeys and everything we might need. And... Um, just accept your humble servant. And then Esau's response was sending an army of 400 men to kill them, or at least that's what we think. And then Jacob, freaked out by all of this, he goes up to a little mountain and prays, Oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and, and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me. I pray from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers of, with my children." But you have said, I will, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And this is the part that I've been wanting to get to when uh, Jacob wrestles with God. And, and it says this in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. And it says, the night Jacob got up and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the fort of the Jabbok, again, a Star Wars name. After he has sent them across the stream, 
he sent all of his possessions, so Jacob was left alone. I'd like to stop here real quick. We see how this guy just changed from all for me, nothing for you, to I'm going to be left behind and uh, save everyone else, and I'll stay at the end. And the man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place, I don't know how to say that, I'm sorry, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him and he passed and he was limping because of his hip. I love this story. Just the idea that as a human you can wrestle with God and come out on the other side? Like, do you ever feel like you're wrestling with God in your mind? I don't know. Just swirling around in your mind and just think, wow, I don't like this. Why God? A couple of years ago, life was just pretty miserable for me, um, for me personally, and Rachel had come back to Columbus from Mexico, and I was uh, left alone in my little apartment in Mexico in 95-degree weather with 95% humidity. Um, We're doing the long-distance marriage because of my immigration process being stuck. I was alone making such little amount of money that I could barely make ends meet even with a third world country uh, food prices, which is very cheap compared to here. (laughs) Um, I was so stressed, anxious, depressed. And one day, I I remember this, I, I was just scrolling through Facebook mindlessly, and I saw this image that just had such a deep impact in my life. It's just, I, I won't go super into detail, but it was a picture of a three or four year old girl and she was wearing her pretty little princess dress, but she had like a huge blood stain. Ugh. That just destroyed my heart. And it still does. I remember thinking, why God? Why would you allow this? Like it's, it's the epitome of innocence. Someone that deserves more than life and above and still so broken. It turned out that I was pretty depressed already, so like that made into a segue of like, why am I struggling with my immigration stuff if I've... I don't know, I've been called a criminal essentially so many times. I know I'm not a criminal. I've done stupid things, yes, many times. 
it's my middle name essentially. But <clears throat> like I thought I, 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 I did my time for that. But why am I still so depressed? My hair is falling out. I would do this and show my, all of a sudden all of my hair kept coming off. <sighs> just like this gross feeling of uh, I, just, I just want this to be over. Everything. And I remember texting Jeff about it, which by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but I dressed up as Jeff today unknowingly. <laughs> I got the bald head and everything. <laughs> the hat, the black t-shirt and jeans. So... <laughs> Today I'm, I'm on point. Anyway, um, I texted Jeff and I was like, hey Jeff, like, I saw this and it's hurting my soul. What do I do? And Jeff did not respond and I was just so <sighs> filled with despair and hurting. Like, why is life so wrong? And then I, like I, like later after that, I, I learned that sometimes our pastors, they don't, they cannot respond to our texts like that because they're pointing us to God, helping us, like leading us into a point in which we are relying solely on God and not on our pastors. That's not up to them. We cannot put that weight on our pastor's shoulders. So God was just pointing me to rely on God. And for a couple of nights, I just sat in my bed, really warm, just thinking, I hate this life. I hate everything in my life. Why, 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 God? Why? I do not like this. And then uh, at the two-day mark, I get a call from Jeff. And for two business hours, he talked to me about life (laughs) And he just walked me through suffering and the heaviness of the world. And to everything that he said, what I remember the most, and this is because it was a lot of words. <clears throat> you might know this from him. But uh, he said something along the lines of, it's not God allowing, you, allowing these things to happen, but Jesus sharing his pain with you, sharing that same anger with you. And I thought, oof, what if? I am actually being shown what is hurting in this broken world and why we need Jesus even more. So, so, so often we're so focused on mindless things that when we see injustice and suffering, we just tend to brush it off or just blame it to God. It's like, oh, gosh, there's no God or something. And what if it's just God sharing his point of view with you? Like, what if it's God saying, uh, wow, I see your depression. I'm sorry about this. Like, it's hurting me too. This is my point of view. I'm also (laughs) complaining, why is this world so broken? Why is Satan? What if it's a person's just so deeply that you do not like? You do not share the same points of views and you see that they're struggling and they're you see their struggle and their hate to, towards others, and you see the truth that they're actually really alone, and they need God more than ever. Do you just like ignore it, brush it off, and say maybe God will take care of them? Should I do something? What if you just all of a sudden feel unseen and so lonely that 
or if you're struggling with addiction to pornography or to some sort of substance, feeling at, feeling left out with that one broken relationship that matters so much or your finances and you see, you don't see the end of it. What if it's just God saying, hey, I see it too. This matters to me. You matter to me. We see that Jacob evolved from being this manipulative, lying person, willing to do anything in his power to overturn whatever in order so he can gain something back. And we see him turning from that kind of Jacob into a Jacob that's like, hey, listen, you need to go. We need to protect ourselves from my brother, from my cousins. They're all going to kill us. But you know what? You go ahead. I'll make sure I got your backs. So, and still, he managed to humble himself before his brother and say, hey, please let me back. So, I, I believe that the story of Jacob wrestling with God, it's not about how Jacob got his hip bone dislocated, but how God ended up re redeeming him from just from the very essence of who he grew up to be the skeevy little guy that's like lying and taking things for his own gain and made him into one of like the cornerstones of the salvation of this world. He renamed him from the deceiver to the one that overcame wrestling with both God and humans. Israel's hip bone displacement is not a curse. It's just a reminder that gosh, you cannot trust a lead leader without a, a limp, that you cannot trust a leader without a story in which he struggled so much. If in your life you have something that you're struggling with, something that just hurts to walk on, gosh, like, ah, uh, I do not want to do this anymore. Something that's just weighing you down. You know that song we sing called Goodness of God? That bridge, it says, your goodness is coming after. It's coming after me with my life laid down. I'm surrendered now, and I give you everything. Think that we often forget how much more we can rely on God than what we think we can. And I love this part because it reminds me that no matter how far away I might try running away from God, He's going to be always closer than my very next breath. So I would like to invite Kelly up on stage to start passing out the communion elements, and um, as we like take communion and worship one more time, thank you, Kelly. I want to encourage you guys to receive prayer. Like if if you feel like life is happening too fast, if you feel like you cannot catch a break with stress, depression, anxiety, finances, stupid COVID again. Like, I want you to know that God sees you 
and sees the state of your soul as you are right now. We're going to have some folks ready to pray. Um, I don't know where it is, Kelly. Maybe Andy has it. You can go get it from Andy. And if you feel like, again, you're stuck in a relationship or maybe you are the one that's the manipulator and the liar and you don't know how to get out of it, maybe it's God just saying, hey, like I see you now. Well, I've always seen you, but I want to help you. I want to I give you that extra push. So let's stand together. And uh, Kelly, would you lead us into communion? Okay, we're, we're going to do communion. Because um, when Jesus was with his 12 disciples, he was doing the Last Supper, and the Last Supper was during the Passover, which is good because everyone lived after that. Um, so when he's doing the Last Supper, he was passing out his bread to all his disciples. And the disciples were eating it, and Jesus said, this, is, this bread is my body. So eat this and remember me. Then he passed out the wine to everybody. He says, this wine is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And we do it mostly every time we do communion. We do it until Jesus comes back and says hi.